Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Duke, sponsored by Bet Online. I'm your host, Sheldon Williams, and here's your co-host, Steve Wiseman. What's going on, Steve? Hey, Sheldon. This is Steve Wiseman of the uh, News and Observer. Uh, good to be with you again as we get ready for the first of the two biggest games of the regular season, uh, Duke and UNC in Chapel Hill. Uh, the last time Coach Hay goes to the Dean Dome, there's plenty to talk about with that. But, uh, you know, before we do that, we can talk about uh, how well the Blue Devils are playing going into this matchup, right? They're in first place in the ACC right now, 18-3 and three overall, 8-2 and two in the ACC, uh, won four games in a row um, after uh, that loss at Florida State. Uh, they, they won uh, two home games and then won two road games last weekend at Louisville and Notre Dame back-to-back uh, Saturday and a Monday. That's a tough turnaround, but they got it done. Uh, they played really good defense against Notre Dame. Uh, um, uh, tough atmosphere at Louisville. Uh, they they kind of pulled away late to win that one, so that was a good sign. So, um, I think they're playing really well. What do you what do you think? Of what you've seen so far? I, I definitely think that um, I knew going into the Louisville game it's going to be a tough game because normally when you have a situation like a coach leaving in the middle of the season that next person kind of gathering their team around and they're going to play even harder to kind of like, you know, change the, the direction of the ship or wherever is going for that, for them and at that season. So I knew it was going to be a tough game going into the Yum Center. And I was hoping that we were able to still stay afloat. Cause I know we had four games in nine days mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of a lot, especially when you got that uh, North Dame game thrown in as well. So for them to come in and actually play a hard-fought game because it seemed like every time we got up three, five, seven points, they came down and hit like a big three or made a big crucial basket. So they kept hanging around with us. And I was just hoping that we were still smart enough and veteran enough to handle that poise of them always coming back. And we shown that we was able to do that. It was a tough, hard-fought game. And we was able to actually, you know, um, come come away with the win. You know that's a great point. It was a, a hard fought you know win that was won in the last you know five or six minutes, which is important, right? When you're doing it on the road. And what I thought going into the game was with with the interim coach situation at Louisville, Mike Pegues, um, that if Duke could get out early and get ahead of them and kind of punch them in the mouth, that they'd be kind of like, uh, you know, here we go again, right? They're a losing team. They're having trouble. Um, but they but Louisville was so glad to not be playing for Chris Mack anymore <laughs> that they really, you know, that that's kind of what the players said was they fought hard for, for the new coach and, and they liked playing for him as an interim coach earlier this year when Mack was suspended. And so they were rid of Chris Mack. So they really played hard. And that really impressed me from Louisville. Cause I, again, I thought if Duke got out early, which they did, right. They were up, you know, 24 to eight and thought this game's over. They're going to win this by 30. And lo and behold, you know, L. Ellis, you know, hitting those shots, and Dre Davis for for Louisville, Malik Williams inside. Uh, they they came back well. They played hard and and really made Duke work for it. And um, so in the end, uh, it turns out to be a great win for Duke. Probably better than if they blew him out by thirty. To be honest with you, because I think the way they they held together, that was the last game they played without Trevor Keels. We'll get into that a whole lot later too. But because he came back against Notre Dame, but 
you know, you're playing Wendell Moore, 40 minutes, Jeremy Roach, 38 minutes that game. They played a lot uh, the Tuesday night before against Clemson because Keels wasn't there to eat those minutes. And, uh, you know, they had to make plays down the stretch to win it. And they went on a 12-0 run after Louisville came back and it was 60-all. 12-0 run, 72-60, and, and we're done. We're out getting on the plane, uh, heading back home, and uh, and got the win. So that was a big one. And then, you know, they actually, surprisingly, went home after the Louisville game uh, and then spent the night in Durham, practiced on Sunday, then got on the plane and went back to South Bend. <laughs> um, I guess because of no, the Notre that's Dame. A that's a lot of traveling, <laughs> isn't it? You know that from – that's, that's a lot, right? Um, right. Uh, not just from Duke, but that, that sounds like a, like an NBA, like a G League trip, maybe or NBA or something, right? <laughs> right, right, definitely, definitely. I mean, I was surprised about that as well. I mean, because you know you're already halfway there, you know, being in Louisville to being in uh, South Bend, yeah. and then to fly back to uh, you know Carolina and just to fly back to South Bend because you know yeah. around this time you never know it could be like a snowstorm or or whatever. But exactly. I was glad that nothing really happened with that, but. Uh, yeah, even going into that game, I mean, um, I was like, all right, we got to build on what we did in Louisville. And we come out and we had really good defense, as you saw um, uh, during the Notre Dame game. I mean, we mm-hmm. held their the top two scores, you know, you know, two lesser than what they normally have. I mean, one of them was scoreless. Like, how crazy is that? Like, yeah, you, you go into the game and then your top score got locked up and didn't even score a point. I mean, he hasn't done that since his first year for us to have that, that confidence, in that defense. That was very impressive to me. That stood out to me too. Obviously. I mean, they, you know, they held him to 43 points. They, they barely got to 40. It was late before they got over 40 points. It's like you're playing. It was like a Virginia game, right? That's what Mike Bray was talking about afterwards, but, but it was also, I mean, obviously Notre Dame missed some open shots, right? That happens. But um, a lot of, them, a, lot a lot of them, of them. Um, Duke did a good job of, of, of um, crowding the three-point shooters while also being able to cut off the driving lanes and not let them get, you know, usually sometimes you come out too far, there's space, right? And that was, uh, you know, Emil Jefferson was talking about the other day, they made some adjustments there to, to, um, to, to be able to do that. And, they, you know, it's something they, they wanted to get back to from the start of the year when they played, were playing better defense. And they were able to do that against Notre Dame. I think it's a really good sign going forward that they have, that lockdown defense is kind of back. I mean, that's a really important thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, I, I kind of tweeted out a couple times during the game. I was a little bit, a little bit frustrated because, you know, being a big, it, I hate to be the, the person to come over to help out for defense. Then nobody really helps out for me. And it was a couple times where Mark Williams came over to help out, but then somebody didn't shift over to that backside defense and then wound up getting a, a wide open layup or, or, you know, just a you know free shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, the initial, the initial defense from Duke during that game was really good. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot better from that game than it was in the past. It just, you know, me, I guess me kind of nitpicking. Sure. Being a big, I, yeah. I did see that a couple of times. Like, all right, I can't be blocking a shot and do this too. So, you know, it's kind of tough, whatever. But uh, like you said, the, the initial defense from the, all the guys were pretty good and just, Hoping, uh, we hoping that we can actually build on this and carry it over to uh, the rival game. To the big one. That's right. That's right. And uh, right. that's coming up on uh, Saturday night at six o'clock in Chapel Hill at the Dean Smith Center. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that quite a bit here in a second. I want to go back to our sponsor, Believe and Bet Online. There might be less than less football being played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. 
from scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And now we're down to one, one big game left, right? In the NFL season. Um, with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Please use our promo code believe to get started. That's B L E A V to get started. And it's not just football, bet online's basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds coverage is the best in the business from sports, right down to your favorite, favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Yes, it's time for the game to start tomorrow night at six o'clock again. ESPN College Game Day is always there for both UNC Duke games. Obviously, they're in Chapel Hill uh, this weekend for that one. And um, Sheldon, you know, I, I've been covering uh, Duke Carolina games now for this to be 12 years coming up. I've seen some great things. I've seen the Austin, Austin River shot in Chapel Hill. Um, uh, you know, great wins in Cameron. I want to talk about the Chapel Hill games first. I mean, that to me, that, that Austin Rivers game is always going to stick with me because not only did he make the shot to finish the, the game, but Duke was down eight or 10 points with like two minutes to go. And I remember, you know, just thinking, okay, I'm going to start right. This game's, this game's done. I mean, it's, you know, it's time to get my story going because this is going to be hard to come back. And that was a really good Carolina team. And uh, to show that toughness late and to make shot after shot and, and get stops will always stand out to me as, as the, the best game I've seen them play in Chapel Hill. So I don't know what you think about that or what you thought from your time, uh, you know, playing games over at the Smith Center. Yeah, I mean, um, it's crazy because at that that season, I was at the game when they played at Duke, and we had a bad game, and we wound up getting you know beat pretty good mm-hmm. at Duke, and then not knowing what to really expect later on in the year when we played them at their place. Obviously, we've seen rankings don't mean anything. We've seen uh, you know one team being ranked high and one being real low. And it's still being a great game, you know, that type of thing. We've seen that over the past. So rankings don't mean anything when these two teams play. I just didn't know how, how we would respond since we played them a couple weeks ago that year. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm watching this team play and I'm watching them fight. And I'm like, okay, maybe they don't, they just don't have enough. They don't have enough to get over that last hump. Like you said, it was beyond what, eight, 10 points. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, they made, made that run and then, the shot that shocked everybody, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the shot that heard around the world type thing. Uh, yeah. Austin Rivers wind up, uh, you know, sitting over, over. I'm um, sorry, uh, winning the game. Yeah. But for me, my, my time was actually playing in these type games because, one, growing up, I played against Sean May, Raymond Felton, you know, all those guys in high school. You know, AU teammates, you know, uh, play against each other in AU tournaments and things like that. So yeah. to be able to play against each other again on a higher level, it was just awesome to me because, you know, literally we go into their Dean Dome, 22,000, whatever it was, baby blue, see a baby blue. That's yeah. all you see out there. Yeah. And, and, and be able to shut them up was very thrilling for us. I mean, during my time, we played them nine times. We beat them seven out of uh, out of nine times, so I'm seven and two against Carolina. So there you go. The robbery wasn't 
the robbery wasn't much of a robbery for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for, for you, yeah. it was the uh, the bug versus the windshield, right? That's what you got. You got. Yeah, you, they they right, were the bug, right, and you were the windshield. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But I mean, those were, those are the most uh, fun times I ever played um, in those type of games because, like, literally, you have the crowd, the hostile crowd over there, and then you have our crowd over in Cameron, and how you just step on the court. The electricity in that atmosphere, that gym, you just feel it. And you have no choice but to get amped up to play these games. And like I said, the rivalry is so big. Rankings and outside things don't even matter because once these two teams see each other and play against each other, that tobacco road rivalry and, you know, things like that, it's it's for real. It's for real. And, uh, and the other thing I've heard players talk about is, you know, the game's usually like it's always at night, right? You have to kind of wait all day for the game. And you can almost lose all your energy before the game even starts if you're not careful, right? You've got to really stay calm until it's time to unleash that fury. And in, in that way is. Yeah, yeah, especially if you are on, a, you know, um, Shesheskyville, like on Duke campus, you're walking through Shesheskyville for a shoot around and you see college day, game day right here, all the students in Shesheskyville on this side right here. And like, you get like amped up and like, okay, I got to calm myself down because we don't play for another seven, eight hours. You know? Exactly. That yeah. Type thing. So <laughs> then we got to walk back out after shooting around, do the same thing. And everybody's all getting jumped up and, uh, you know, everything. And then you got to go home and try to calm yourself down and take a nap and trying to shorten the day like that, kind of save up energy for that night. Cause you know, once you get into the gym, whether it's going to be in Chapel Hill or uh, Cameron Stadium, you know that all the energy that you saved up. Is going to be spent. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, going back to something you mentioned a little earlier about, you know, you playing against Sean May and Raymond Felton and stuff when you were in high school. Um, we, we had a story in the News Observer the uh, last couple of days here about former high school teammates like uh, like Leaky Black and Wendell Moore. Currently, on they're going to play in tomorrow night's game. They they grew up together. They, you know, Leaky tried to uh, recruit Wendell to go to Carolina, and then. He commits to Duke, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my gosh, we got to you know we're on opposite sides now," and they're playing against each other the third third year in a row. And then it goes back to even, you know, your day when um, you know uh, Gerald Henderson and Wayne Ellington uh, were were on they were high school teammates and ended up on different sides. And I know um, the story talks about you know the hit on on Tyler Hansborough that Gerald bloodied his face, Bloody right? Nose. Yeah, yeah. And and Wayne was like, "Look." I know that wasn't intentional. I know Gerald, he's a good guy. And he said, a lot of people didn't want to hear that, but <laughs> you know, that's like, like the insight we have here that, um, you know, sure. It's a fierce rivalry, but a lot of times, you know, the players know each other really well and, and they, there's respect for each other, even if you're on the opposite sides of the rivalry. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you would hope that everybody's like that too, but, but thing is, you coming in, a lot of these guys, like I said before, we played against each other in the AU growing up. So we knew of each other. We played against each other. And, you know, the hatred doesn't just happen because we go to opposite schools. It's still that high level of competition that you want to beat them. But you know what? Now that you chose this school and now I chose this school, we got to go ahead and compete even at a different level and go at each other where we're part of one of the greatest robberies of college basketball. So now that we both on this stage, we want to expose each other, but it's all in the nature of competing. Right. Right. And, you know, another thing as we're going to transition 
we're going to talk about this week's or this first meeting of the year because I mentioned Leaky Black and Wendell Moore. Also, Armando Baycott and Mark Williams are going to bang together inside. They've known each other since high school. They played AAU ball together a little bit in Virginia. So um, that's going to be one of the matchups we're going to talk about here. But first, we have a new sponsor that we need to talk about here. Sheldon's going to fill us in on Masterworks uh, is a new sponsor for our podcast, for the Believe in Duke podcast. Tell us about it, Sheldon. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a GOAT on the field. He's a GOAT when it comes to investing too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like the GOAT with Masterworks. Masterworks is an investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpace the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members in a best like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. Call to action. Go to masterwork.art slash B-L-E-A-B. That's masterworks.art slash B-L-E-A-B. See important disclosures at masterwork.art. IO slash disclaimer. All right. Yeah. Good new sponsor for us. Appreciate Masterworks jumping on, helping us out with the podcast. Um, but it's, now it's time to talk about a master of a game. The master rivalry is Duke and UNC. And uh, we mentioned earlier, Duke is first place in the ACC right now. Carolina is not ranked. They haven't been ranked for quite some time. Duke is still the only ACC team ranked in the top 25, but Carolina's eight and three in conference play now. They've also won the last four in a row, so they're red hot at the right time. They're, if, you know, this game tomorrow night, uh, was taped this on Friday, is for first place in the ACC, which is what we expect from Duke UNC, right? Everything's back. After last year, they weren't, neither one was ranked when they played, and so that was weird. Now we're getting back to some normalcy. This is the way it's supposed to be, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, even, be- even better that, uh, Duke is the one that's ranked too. So there you go. <laughs> but, no, but no, yeah, it's back to normalcy and everything. Uh, I, I just can't wait for this game, to be honest with you, because being a part of this rivalry, even watching it growing up, being a part of it, and then after I you know, got done playing, just watching everybody else go into it, it's fun to watch. It's fun to see. You can't really um, explain a lot about the feeling that you go through when you actually into these games, it's just that whatever it is that you actually feel, whatever it is that you actually feel at that time and moment, it's it multiplied when you actually step on that court. And it's, it's, it's a great feeling to even be in. Yeah. And so, you know, some of the matchups we'll talk about here. I mean, I mentioned earlier, Armando Baycott, the, the 6'10 junior center for, for Carolina is he's one of the, uh, candidates for ACC player of the year. He's averaging a double-double, 16 points, 12 rebounds. He's had some monster games this year. I think it's Virginia had 29 points and 22 rebounds. And um, he's had, uh, Coach K mentioned this when he was talking to us yesterday, not just that game, but even 
you know, other games they'll have 15 points, 18 rebounds. You know, he's always just really doing a lot of great work in the paint. On the other side, I mean, we're going to talk about Mark Williams matching up with him, but Paulo Bancaro is Duke's ACC Player of the Year candidate. Um, you know, he's uh, a Duke's leading scorer and uh, um, a leading rebounder. So um, he's got a lot going for him, too. And uh, that's going to be you know, one thing to match. Those Kind of the winner of this game will not only be in first place, but, you know, his team winning might build their Player of the Year candidacy, right? If, if Duke wins heavily and Paulo has a great game, that would be good for him in that way. But um, I do want to ask you about Baycott and, and Mark Williams and what, what Mark's going to have to do uh, to try to match up with him. And, you know, Mark uh, is, is playing well right now. He obviously has to stay out of foul trouble. That'll be the biggest thing, right? Cause right. Um, right. in that matchup. So just, you know, what, what do you think about what Mark is going to have to face tomorrow night? So, so a guy like um, Baycott, it kind of reminds me a little bit of during my day when I played against Sean May, where it was a, a big, strong body that had real good feel around the basket and had a knack for rebounding the basketball. Like that was something that Sean May was great. Sean May's on the staff for Carolina. So I'm sure he's given some pointers, uh-huh. you know, to him, you know, yep. you know, for this and everything. Yep. Um, but yeah, like for a guy like that, you have to always have a body on him because literally he's going to be going and taking the glass every chance he gets, no matter if he gets the ball from his guards or not, he at least knows that he can get a certain amount of points if he just attacks the glass. And with our our defense, the way how much of a big shot time, big time shot blocker that Mark is doing, it's gonna put a lot of awareness on our offside, you know, guards to kind of come in and try to chip at, you know, you know, the guy's legs and everything, trying to, you know, push him out. And hopefully that's going to be able to help out and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to be a tough matchup because, like I said, he's a strong guy. He's attacking the glass every chance he gets. And we just got to make sure that by a group, uh, by committee, we all got to make sure that we know where he's at so we can keep him off the, off the glass. Like you said before, he's had 22, 20, and 18 rebound type games. We don't need to give that up this game, especially if it's going to be a close game. That can't happen for us. Right. And I think you'll like one thing. Uh, Mark Williams had a Zoom with, with us reporters on Thursday, and we we're talking about Baycott, what he has to do. And, and he goes, hey, he has to guard me too. Don't forget that. So I, th- I thought you'd like that attitude from Mark. <laughs> I, I, I like that confidence. I like that confidence. Hey, it's not just one-sided. I, I understand that. I like that confidence. I like that's, that confidence. <laughs> that's right. So other things we need to look at in the game is um, – you know, Duke uh, at times in the last month or so has had trouble with turnovers. You know, they've turned the ball over a little too much. The Miami game, the Florida State game, in particular, when they lost those, uh, that was correct. I think they only had seven against Notre Dame. Um, so that's uh, that's a positive trend there. Part of that is uh, Trevor Keels is back now. Um, he came back for the game against Notre Dame. He came off the bench and he played, you know, over 30 minutes, which I, I think, you know, Coach Casey was a little bit surprised that he was able to do that, but uh, he's kept himself in good shape. And, uh, you know, he makes a big difference as far as uh, perimeter defense, ball handling. That should keep the turnovers down. That should help Duke, uh, you know, be able to force some more turnovers against opponents, starting with Carolina. So um, it might take a little bit for him to obviously get back into the full, you know, uh, uh, strength from, from being out for those three games. But, uh, and he may not even start. I mean, Coach K said, Yesterday, you know, I mean, it's important who starts, but he also said, you know, Trevor was on the court at the end of the game when they were trying to 
finish off the Notre Dame win. And so let's not forget that, that it's not so much starting, but finishing. So, um, you know, he and Jeremy Roach will both get a lot of playing time, I think still, but that's a big, that's a big thing for Duke to get back for sure. Isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, being young, you're not really trying to understand or hear that it's about who's finishing the game. You want to start. And I, <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah. That, I understand that. But as I get older and everything, the most important is finishing games. And a lot of times, you know, when you're young, you don't see that part, you know, the bigger, the bigger picture, pretty much. But I mean, uh, before I talked about, you know, about kills and everything, uh, give a shout out to um, Roach. I mean, the last yes. six games, he's taken care of the ball. I mean, he's had 36 assists and five turnovers over the last six games. So he's taken advantage of being back in the starting lineup when Kills was hurt and taking care of the ball, which is something that we needed to happen. Like you said before, we were always, not always, we were kind of loose with the ball and turning the ball over the last few games. And he helped with that position of taking care of the ball and being that point guard again for our team. And now with Kills back, now we have two people who can actually take care of the ball. We just need to get Kills back with the game legs so he's actually, you know, back to where he was. Hopefully, back to the first two games of the season, Kills, you know, when he was over, you know, hitting those shots on a more consistent basis. Um, But his defense is something that we really need because he's a dog on defense. He really likes to bully and be physical with other people. So we really need that, that, that defense on the perimeter as well. But it's good to see him after that scary, um, what could have been even more scary, a situation that happened in uh, Tallahassee that, over there against Florida State. Yeah, I mean, I was there that night and saw the injury happen and everyone on TV and, uh, you know, Coach K and, again, talking to Emil Jefferson a couple of days ago was like, that looked really scary when it happened. Like, like you feared, like, that might be it for him, you know, for the you think the worst thoughts because he was in such discomfort. And so for him to only miss, you know, three games, uh, four games is, uh, is really good. Really fortunate for Duke. And, uh, and here he is back. So um, let's get ready for this big one tomorrow night. And uh, um, we're going to have fun, uh, a great time watching it. And we'll, we're going to get together again next week. Uh, we'll talk about it some more. This is again, another busy time for Duke. You mentioned this earlier about the, the Notre Dame game ended a, a streak of a lot of games in, in a row there. This starts a streak of four games in eight days for Duke. They have Carolina, the quick turnaround Monday with Virginia. And then the Clemson game is rescheduled, put on the Thursday after the Virginia game, so the 10th. And then on the 12th, go up to Boston and play Boston College. So four games in eight days. Um, it's going to be important to uh, avoid injury, not get too many people worn out, but you're starting off with this emotional game with Carolina and then you have to turn around, boom, and play Virginia at home. Um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember when you were playing, were they doing the Saturday, Monday scheduling back then, or uh, did you have many of those quick turnarounds? Not, not much. I mean, this is like <laughs> NBA type schedule. Like, yeah, I thought it was going to be like, maybe like just once, but like this, like the third, you have them like a four game, eight day type thing or four game and nine days type thing, whatever. So it's, it's seemed more like a, a NBA schedule than anything else, but no, I don't remember us having, well, one, we didn't have any rescheduled games back yeah. then, but yeah. I don't remember having a quick, a quick like this over and over again either. So it's, it's a lot, especially for younger guys and everything too. It's a lot, but then again, they don't know anything else either. So that True. could be something working our favor as well, but hopefully everybody stays healthy. They take care of their body, getting off their feet and make sure that they have enough energy to play when game time comes. 
Yeah, because it's time for it's February now. It's time to get ramping up toward March and start playing their best basketball. Okay, well, that'll take it for this episode of the Believe in Duke podcast. Um, Steve Wiseman for the News and Observer, and uh, uh, enjoyed uh, chatting it up here with Sheldon talking Duke UNC. It's always fun. It's the best time when these games start coming. And uh, looking forward to uh, our next episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Sheldon, why don't you take us out? All right, thank you, uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Believe in Duke. Uh, we are on all kinds of social media, so you can follow us. Uh, uh, I am on Sheldon Williams, my name, and Steve Wiseman. You're on. Yeah, it's Steve Wiseman NC. Steve Wiseman NC. So thank you again, and stay tuned for more content. Okay, thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.